Yesterday, I saw one of my Facebook friends post on social media. Well, it was on Facebook. Telling people, check your batteries because she went out to start her car or truck, whatever it was. I don't know what she drives. And it wouldn't start. And telling people, if you bought, you know, you need to. She cited a specific battery, but I don't know that that was relevant. But saying how long she had had it and that she went out and she had to have somebody come jump her. Uh, you can prevent that from happening. Now, that doesn't mean you're always going to be able to, but you take your vehicle in, A1 Custom Car Care, they can test that battery and let you know, uh, oh, man, this thing's juiced. It is good to go. Or eh, may want to go ahead and think about switching up to a new battery and other winterization issues that aren't necessarily problematic for your vehicle uh, other than when it gets really cold. And like I said, it's just a bad time to have your car not work properly when it's cold, when it's dark, when it's sleeting. So take it in. A1 Custom Car Care. You can find their locations. Nick's Endorsements, KSGF.com. Speaking of vehicles, this actually is a story that I saw after Sarah had posted it. on. You posted, I think, well, did you post this about electric truck stops? Oh, yes, was I did. Is that you that posted that this? I, I know there's, I, well, I think you you, will, you post just about everything. Yeah, that's why there wasn't that many posts yesterday, because I was out yesterday. Yeah, you were a sick little duckling. Yeah, I'm still not 100%, but oh. good enough to be here. Yes, you are. Yeah. Spread it around. Yep. Very generous. It is the You're season welcome. of giving. Mm-hmm. You want to spread that around? It's... So what I'm hearing is you'll be out tomorrow. Yeah, yep. You better get a hold of, let's see, Darren or Tom or John or, uh, no. I mean, we just list the people. Just be on standby um, because it's going to get me sick. I got a good immune system. When I get sick, sometimes it's hard, and I mean, it's, but it goes by fast. I get rid of it quickly. So this story, I thought, was a pretty interesting one. Electric truck stops will need as much power as small towns. This is just so insane to me. This push, this, and I say it's an artificial push to electric vehicles because it's not the free market that's doing it. Now, I'm not saying we would not have electric vehicles in a free market. I'm perfectly fine with that. Somebody comes up, they develop any sort of vehicle, whatever it may be. I'm sure when the El Camino was developed, somebody's like, dude, what? Nobody's going to want that. But they did. Electric vehicles, you know, and there'd be a lot of reasons that people want electric. Frankly, some just because it's sort of new and, you know, it's cool and cutting edge in the minds of a lot of people. And that's totally awesome. The problem I have is the government forcing it. You don't have to force things that are going to, if it's something that is is organically going to develop because there is a need and a desire and a marketplace for it, and it's good for the economy, then you don't have to force it to occur. When we went, when the, the light bulb was developed, the government did not have to go around 
with artificial deadlines to outlaw the manufacturing and selling of lanterns and candles and mandate that people start switching over to light bulbs or ma- or start giving tax credits based on light bulbs, did they? No, because it was something people wanted. And because of that desire, there was a marketplace and other people came along and said, I want to get in on this. I think I'm going to try and develop one that's even better. That way, people will want to buy mine instead of theirs because this is a popular item. We have not treated electric vehicles in the same manner. Or anything in the context of this push to the so-called green. It is also maddening to me because it isn't green. You think about this for a moment. We want to get ourselves off the electricity, right? Off the juice, zero emissions, and so forth. So what do we do? Electric vehicles, electric trucks. Yet an electric truck stop will need as much power as an entire small town. Does that sound like we're headed in the right direction? I want to share some of the stats on this. And John Stossel, he had a piece some time ago in Inconvenient Facts about electric cars. And it's a relatively short piece, but some of it even... As much as I understand the Rube Goldberg mindset of becoming environmentally friendly by forcing this sort of technology into the marketplace, I still oftentimes come across stats that surprise me. And there was one in here that if, um, where was it, is the amount of, uh, oh, okay. When it comes to mining for one battery, one regular size battery for an electric vehicle, you have to mine 500,000 pounds of minerals and rocks for one one battery. 500, that is half a million pounds of minerals and earth for one battery. That's just the battery. I mean, that that doesn't count everything else involved in the process. The amount of energy, the amount of damage to the earth, to the environment, the amount of extraction that has to be done in order to develop these vehicles that we're told are somehow earth-friendly is astoundingly greater than it is for a regular vehicle. Yet it gets sold to us as being environmentally friendly. Oh, the Green New Deal! Because people really want to save the planet. This isn't doing it. Jason Rima with news. The city of Nixa is facing budget cuts after voters said no to a sales tax for police and parks and recreation. The city says it plans to lay out some of the proposals during upcoming city council meetings. The city asked voters to pass a tax to build a new $13 million police station and $25 million sports complex. Nixa's sales tax has not been updated since 1987. Green County deputies say a teenager shot a man during a domestic dispute Tuesday. Investigators say the teen shot the man after assaulting his mother. It happened at a home in the 3400 block of North Farm Road 143, north of the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds. The man was shot in the head and called 911. No arrests have been made. A Missouri judge says an agency previously led by Republican Josh Hawley broke public records laws on purpose to help his U.S. Senate campaign. 
Cole County Judge John Beatham fined the Attorney General's office $12,000. Beatham says the Attorney General's office lied about not having records and did not quickly provide records in an attempt to protect Holly's Senate bid. Kansas City Royals owner John Sherman says the team is considering several places to build a replacement for the aging Kauffman Stadium. Sherman says those sites are under consideration in downtown Kansas City or close to it. In a letter to fans, Sherman estimated the new stadium district could cost $2 billion. He says that would make it the most costly project in Kansas City history. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk. A first alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks. Home improvement scattered flurries this morning. Then a sunny day with a high of 35. Clear 19 tonight, 44 tomorrow. Wind chills of 13, though. And then Friday kicking off the weekend. Partly sunny with a high of 32. Before traffic update, I... Um, Text message from the American Transmissions Talking Text Line asking, Hey, Nick, is it necessary for the GOP to have a Speaker of the House, or can we do without one? And if we have to have one, is there one that is not a moderate that would be bold enough to do the duties that they need to do during this critical time? So uh, the, uh, the Speaker of the House, now some of this may be semantics, but when asking if the GOP has to have the sp- uh, Speaker of the House, it, it, the Speaker of the House isn't the Speaker of the party. It, it, it is the individual that's presiding over the House. The reason that it has... I guess it's always been, I don't know, there may be some odd points in history, but at least in modern history, uh, the also sort of the head of the party that's in control is because they have the most votes. And that, and it's the members who vote on whom the speaker is going to be. So when Democrats have the most votes, they vote for the, you know, the Democrat gets it. And when Republicans have the most votes, it is assumed, of course, that, uh, that uh, a Republican will get it. Now, you could have caveats and of course the media loves the idea they're already out there speculating well what if some of these more moderate republicans more reasonable republicans uh decided to team up with democrats and put liz cheney in there i kid you not this is a suggestion that some in the media are are making you you could have somebody that it you know it doesn't have to be a person that is affiliated with the party in power um if you had people cross party lines it also, a lot of people don't know this, doesn't even have to be a congressperson. You know, this is a largely perceived, not, sort of a manager. This is a person who manages what goes on, uh, who is uh, supposed to be in charge of uh, Capitol Police, though January 6th seemed to demonstrate that wasn't the case, uh, and, and just keep things moving along. Because you've got to have somebody in charge, right? Uh, you, there's got to be somebody calling the shots and saying, all right, here's how we're going to do this and here's how we're going to do that, and the way that person is chosen by all the members of Congress. But, it, it, again, it some people also have said Donald Trump, the Republicans should make Donald Trump the speaker. And if, come the time to vote for speaker, you had a majority of the, the members vote Donald Trump, then Donald Trump would be Speaker of the House. Or you could. I could. I, I don't think there are any... Uh, parameters. I know that there are no parameters regarding being a member of Congress. Uh, I don't know if that's ever been done. Um, for whatever reason, I, I suspect it's quite possible early on that somebody who wasn't a member perhaps was voted to be Speaker, but I, I don't know that that's the case. It would be kind of a fun thing to do, you know, come up with some, just some random person. 
uh, just some guy or gal who has an office job and like, you know, this person's a pretty good manager. They manage this office uh, uh, pretty well. Uh, let's put them in as Speaker of the House and just kind of see how that – somebody nonpartisan, nonpolitical. Traffic update. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Bloomberg, electric truck stops will need a much uh, as much power as a small town. Now, does that seem like weaning us off of power to you? Next month, Tesla plans to deliver the first of its electric semi-trucks able to haul a full 40-ton load some 500 miles on a single charge. These massive batteries on wheels may accelerate the transition to electrified transport, but those responsible for delivering the power are starting to ask, are we ready for this? Mm, No. Bloomberg reports probably not, according to a sweeping new study of highway charging requirements conducted by utility company National Grid. I love this. This is specifically... I mean, you look at areas like California where they already have brownouts. They're already as few electric vehicles that exist. And we saw this in Texas, I think, at one point as well, where they tell people, try not to charge your vehicles right now. Just don't go anywhere. How do we fix that problem? Let's add a hell of a lot more vehicles to the equation. Researchers found that by 2030, electrifying a typical highway gas station will require as much power as a professional sports station stadium. Now, th- that that's just a regular, just a normal gas station for electric vehicles. Not, not the big trucks. As much power as a professional sports stadium. I'm sure, shouldn't we be developing modes of transportation that are more energy efficient, not less. This, again, is what drives me nuts about all of this. Everything they claim this is supposed to do, it does the opposite. So by 2030, electrifying just a standard highway gas station will require as much power as a professional sports stadium, and that's mostly just for regular passenger vehicles. Most electric trucks hit the road, or as they hit the road, the projected power needed for a big truck stop in 2035. So, you know, like any of the truck stops you see, it will take the same amount of electricity as it would to run an entire small town. So, Willard, Ozark, Nixa, Republic. I mean, this is absurd. Even the authors who planned the study were caught off guard by how quickly highway power demands will change. A connection to the grid that can handle more than 5 megawatts takes up to 8 years just to build at a cost of tens of millions of dollars. And if power upgrades don't start soon, the transition to electric vehicles, let alone electric trucks, will quickly be constrained by a grid unprepared for the demand. You have some parts of the country, again, California being a big one, that are already unprepared for the demand that exists now, hence the brownouts and the blackouts that occur annually. I I mean, it is just so 
insane how stupid we are when it comes to this. And it's one thing if you're being stupid and short-sighted regarding something that's incidental in life, like the production of glitter. We're talking about power. We're talking about the things that keep us warm when it's cold and cool when it's hot and keeps our food stored at levels that keep it safe to eat so we don't get food poisoning and die. That keep the lights on as people are uh, you know, in the operating room with their chest open. Energy is kind of an important thing to be dinking around with in such an irresponsible way. The total amount of new electricity that EVs will consume isn't the problem, they say. Even if the world stopped making new gas-powered cars and trucks altogether by the early 2030s, which is an optimistic scenario, it would add no more than 15% to the world's electric consumption, they claim, by 2040, according to analysts. The real challenge is how quickly high-speed chargers will need to deliver electricity at a single place in time. Now, I find it hard to believe, and I don't know that separate analysis that was done, but if you're telling me... (laughs) That you are going to go from just with you take the truck scenario out of it, and 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 what they've found is that just what would be a standard gas station for it to be an electrical station that that is going to use the same amount of power that an entire professional stadium uses. That put doing that all over the country is barely going to raise the amount of energy that's needed. Now, again, though, while they, I think, are extremely underestimating the amount of increase, they see 15%, once again, I go back to, aren't we supposed to be figuring out ways to use less energy, not more? John Stossel has a piece about electric cars, and the sales are up 66% this year. I'm going to take a break, and I want to start sharing some of this with you. It's inconvenient facts about electric cars, and these are facts. Facts. F-A-C-T-S. Hear about it. Hear about uh, it. I know I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. We'll get this piece up, John Stossel, Inconvenient Facts About Electric Cars. And I I pulled this because of a Bloomberg analysis that found that for just a what would be the equivalent of a gas station converted to uh, accommodate electric vehicles would use as much electricity as it takes to power a, a, a professional sports stadium. And if you add in the diesel, quote, diesel truck, and this wouldn't be semi-truck component, then it takes as much power as it would to power a small town. In his uh, piece, Stossel talks with physicist Mark Mills of the Manhattan Institute, and Mark Mills says electric cars are amazing, but they won't change the future in any significant way as far as oil use or carbon dioxide emissions. I kind of thought that was the point, wasn't it? He notes that the world has 15 
18 million electric vehicles now, 15 to 18 million. He said if we somehow got to 500 million electric vehicles, it would reduce world oil consumption by around 10%. Just 10%. While he notes that's not nothing, it certainly doesn't end the use of oil. Most of the world's oil is used by things like airplanes, buses, big trucks, mining equipment that gets the copper to build the electric vehicles themselves. Even if all vehicles somehow did switch to electricity, there's another problem. Electricity isn't very green. Stossel notes, I laugh talking to friends who are all excited about their electric cars, assuming that it doesn't pollute. They go silent when I ask, well, where does your car's electricity come from? They don't know. They haven't even thought about it. Well, why think? Inconvenient fact two, although driving an electric vehicle puts little additional carbon into the air from the vehicle itself, producing the electricity to charge its battery adds plenty. Most of America's electricity is produced by burning natural gas and coal. Only 12% comes from wind or solar power. Auto companies don't advertise this. Ford's Linda Zhang in a BBC interview noted electric vehicles in general are better and more sustainable for the environment. She's a Ford engineer, I say to Mills. She's not ignorant. He replies, she's not stupid, but ignorance speaks to what you know. You have to mine sometimes or somewhere on Earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rocks to make just one battery. We're going to get a traffic update, and there are a few other stats in here that may astound you regarding how unenvironmentally friendly electric vehicles actually are. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast, scattered flurries this morning. Eventually a sunny day, high of 35, 19 clear tonight. Mostly sunny, 44 tomorrow, partly sunny Friday, 32. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty, all of your home buying and home selling needs. She's totally awesome as what, at what she does. You can read reviews of other folks. I've had her show me a house, and one of the things I, I like is you can tell she's not trying to sell you a house. She is trying to find for you what it is that you are looking for for you and your family if you are in the house hunting. A lot of times, this is something that I'm sure she knows, and I just know this as an observer of human behavior. If you are looking to buy something new, you sometimes try to talk yourself into it. There will be certain things you're like, well, I don't really, but I guess we could be okay with that because you're excited about buying a new home or a new car sometimes. It's sort of like when you're desperate and lonely and you start, you're out there dating because you don't want to be alone any longer and you, you excuse sort of these red flags because you want things to work out. But what's great about Emily is, it, you know, and she'll talk with you ahead of time. What is it you're looking for? How many, you know, you got the kids. She's going to know all about you. And she'll be the first one to say, hey, you know, you may want to think about, I know this house seems great and you're excited about it, but, you know, this this over here, remember, you said you wanted this. And, and you know, she's not going to talk you out of anything, but she's going to be real. And she is going to be looking out for you, maybe even more than you look out for yourself. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. The... Uh, There was a Bloomberg report that came out noting that 
simply to replace what would be a standard gas station to accommodate electric vehicles would take as much power as it now takes to run an entire professional sports stadium. You add semi-trucks into the mix, which are about to start hitting the road, and it would take just for what you see when you drive by, truck stop, when you see that truck stop, for that to be electric, take as much as electricity as it does to run a town like Nixa or Ozark, an entire town. In addition to that, for a number of reasons, these are not environmentally friendly. Mark Mills of the Manhattan Institute spoke with John Stossel on this. And he noted that even if we got to 500 million, think about that, there's 500 million electric vehicles across this globe that would potentially reduce oil consumption by only 10%. That's it. The inconvenient fact number two that... Stossel writes about, although driving an electric vehicle may put little additional carbon into the air, producing the electricity to charge its battery adds plenty. Auto companies, of course, don't advertise this. The physicist Mark Mills notes that to make one single battery, you have to mine 500,000 pounds of minerals and rock. By the way, one of the reasons that that's not done here in the United States, but 70%, some 70% of these these elements that are necessary for battery use or for the development of the batteries comes from China. So incidentally, this will make us more reliant on foreign countries, not less. One of the other reasons that China owns the market on this is because they don't really have environmental regulations. And so we are shifting to an industry where the battery alone takes the mining of 500,000 pounds of minerals and rocks done largely at the hands of a country that doesn't care about the environment. Stossel notes that American regulations make mining difficult, so most of it's done elsewhere, polluting those countries, I mentioned China, Some mining, by the way, is done entirely by children. Some done in places that use slaves. Now, for all all the woke people, again, you want to drive an electric vehicle because you like it or whatever, that's fine. But if you're doing it because you think it's environmentally friendly and, oh, boy, you're you're constantly talking about these lives matter and, and trashing on our country because once upon a time we had slavery, you are purchasing vehicles that are reliant on slaves today, some of them children. Even if those horrors did not exist, mining itself adds tons of carbon to the air. Just the mining. This is before you're even powering the vehicle. Mills noted, if you're worried about carbon dioxide, the electric vehicle has emitted 10 to 20 tons of carbon dioxide just from the mining, manufacturing, and shipping before it ever even gets to your driveway. Volkswagen published a study in which they point out that the first 60,000 miles 
or so of you driving an electric vehicle, that electric vehicle will have emitted more carbon dioxide than if you drove your gas-powered vehicle. This is Volkswagen, who produces electric vehicles. You have to drive an electric car 100,000 miles or more to reduce emissions by just 20 or 30%, which isn't nothing, he notes, but it certainly isn't zero. And you think, you know, there was, a, it went viral, uh, a guy who had an electric vehicle, I forget what brand, and he had to replace the battery, and it was like 60 grand or something along those lines, and he had not gone. A tr- it wasn't like a 300,000 mile, I forget. I think it was somewhere around 100,000 miles. And so you start doing these calculations, and if you're talking about having to replace that battery after that period of time where you are just starting to be, you know, I mean, you start all over again. I don't know that there is anything about electric vehicles in terms of virtue that is what they claim it is. It's not environmentally friendly. It certainly isn't. It's reliant on slaves, children, slaves in many instances. It doesn't, it's not only not carbon neutral, but up to the first 60,000 miles you're putting out, you know, based on the impact on the environment to develop the batteries in the cars themselves, more pollution than than a, a gas-guzzling vehicle does. And again, I, I just to reiterate, this is, I'm not against electric vehicles. I'm not against any sort of vehicle. But I'm against the government using our tax dollars and creating laws. You think about California. They're, they write into law that in, what, 2035, you have to buy that sort of vehicle, all in the name of the environment. I just, in terms of, of humanity, has become so stupid. And the reason that it is occurring the way it is occurring is because these stupid people are put in positions of power. I don't know if you can pinpoint the, the time, but if you were to draw from the beginning of of history as we know it and the advancements that we made and that 5,000-year leap that that began to occur some time ago in which we, we just became so enlightened and the advancements and the developments that we came up with and, and all of these amazing things, we have been falling for some time now. We have peaked. And with the people that we have in charge today of this country and this world, we are not turning things around and getting back to the point where we are becoming more enlightened and more intellectually involved and greater seekers of intelligence and the truth, but instead sliding down this hill. And I don't know if there is any effort that demonstrate that to a greater degree than in the name of the environment the approach we're taking when it comes to green energy, specifically electric vehicles. Springfield's Talk 1041. i I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. And Sarah Miles. Hey, if you are out there and you need a roof repair, a whole new roof, 
for a roof inspection, highly recommend my friends over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, the Pyramid Roofing Company, they have been providing top quality roofing in Missouri since 1992. And in fact, they've put on over 35,000 roofs within that time. They also have an A-plus rating through the BBB, and they also are veteran-owned and veteran-supported. So if you do need a new roof, a roof inspection, or uh, maybe just a roof repair, highly recommend giving the Pyramid Roofing Company a call today. They can come out, give you that free estimate, see what's going on, and get you on their schedule. Now you can find all of the contact information for the Pyramid Roofing Company housed at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. Yesterday, FBI Director Chris Wray refused to say whether FBI sources had dressed as Trump supporters and entered the U.S. Capitol ahead of protesters on January 6th. Now, the reason that this was being I shouldn't say it's the reason, but the the evidence that this had occurred is evidence in current in a current court proceeding, the so-called Proud Boys that are currently being prosecuted for conspiracy to commit sedition. And some of the evidence that the government is providing is based off the fact that there were eight individuals within the FBI or that were working on behalf of the FBI that were pretending on January 6th to be Trump supporters. So this is an admission in court. What many of us had suspected and been accused of being conspiracy theorists, accused of being in denial, accused of everything under the sun, well, it turns out, at least according to our own government, it was true. So while Christopher Ray was testifying before Congress, he was actually there uh, in front of the House Homeland Security Committee alongside of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who claims that our border is secure and there's no problem at all there. And he was, though, asked about this recent revelation. This is the representative from Louisiana, Clay Higgins, questioning Ray about this new information. Does does the FBI have confidential human sources? Um, Did the FBI have confidential human sources embedded within the January 6th protesters on January 6th of 2021? Well, Congressman, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I have to be very careful about what I can say about when. Even now, because that's what you told us two years ago. May I finish? Uh, about when we do and do not and where we have and have not used confidential human sources. Uh, But to the extent that there's a suggestion, for example, that the FBI's confidential human sources or FBI employees in some way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people, no, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol? Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision Uh, not to share information. Gentlemen's time has expired. Yet again, the reason that the January 6th committee should not be shut down once Republicans take control, but should continue on. To get to the bottom 
of information like that? Clearly the answer was actually given by not answering it. And he tipped his hand. See, if you notice, he said, well, I mean, I tell you what we didn't do. We, we didn't orchestrate it. If you can answer that question, why can't you answer whether or not you had FBI agents planted in the Capitol dressed as Trump supporters prior to uh, people actually getting into the Capitol? If you can answer one, you can certainly answer the other. But the point isn't whether they coordinated it. The point isn't even whether or not they encouraged it. If they knew it was going to happen, why did they not stop it? I think most of you are intelligent enough to understand exactly why. Because they wanted it to happen. They wanted it to happen so that they could be further used as an offensive weapon against the people acting as the shield and sword of the Democrat Party. If there's some other explanation they can give for knowing that it was going to happen, being there, acting as if they're Trump supporters, some other reason that is legitimate, I'd like to know what it is. Traffic update then. A report out of uh, California, a bag of ballots, not uh, ballots that had not yet been filled out, but it was a mailbag of ballots that people had actually voted, were mailing in, because, of course, we can trust that form of voting, found in a ravine. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. You know, I don't think, I don't know, I haven't checked for sure, but there's no I want a crappy home loan.com or I want a mediocre home loan.com. It's I want a great home loan.com. Now, that may seem obvious, but home loans, great ones, in fact, are so much more than interest rates and terms. It's how you're treated and it's whether or not they go to bat for you. And that's what you get with Don and his team. Alex Anthony Carricker, Don Carricker, when it comes to home loan, it's about education, it's about looking out for you, it's also about being there. On a Sunday night at 8.30 when you have some question that you just thought of and you're worried that something you know, that you did may disrupt the home loan process. And there are a lot of different rules in there that you may not think of. And there are rules that may not even make sense, but the government, in all of its wisdom, put it in place to protect you. And ultimately, it makes it harder for you. That's why Don and their team are there as experts to guide you through it and to help you not have those problems, avoid them before they occur, and to be there whenever you need them. Weekends as well. I want a great homeloan.com because you do. Here is a story from an NBC affiliate in California. Good evening. A bag full of ballots, completed ballots, apparently found on the side of Highway 17. The Postal Service and the Santa Clara County Registrar of Voters are investigating. Election monitors say this could lead to a lot of problems in the coming weeks. NBC Barry's Stephanie Magallon has this exclusive story. They're calling it the registrar's worst nightmare. A bag reportedly stuffed with a valid and completed ballots from Santa Clara County found in a ravine in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Two of those ballots belong to this couple who says they dropped them off at a post office in West San Jose the Saturday before the election. How? How did it get from the mailbox 
to Santa Cruz. Was it something that uh, uh, that was dropped in transit? You know, what were the circumstances? Those are the types of questions political analyst Larry Gersten says will be raised by many and could undermine voter confidence. You know, at a minimum, the the, the registrar has got a problem. Uh, uh, to deal with. And it's a serious problem. It deals with the integrity of the institution. That's if, and I go back to what I said at the beginning, that's if these were real ballots, uh, ready to go, and somehow never made it. Julie Neiman says she was riding her motorcycle to work when she spotted the torn bag and noticed the ballots near Sugarloaf Road on Highway 17. They were trying to like, make it look so people wouldn't find them is the way I saw it. They were dumped over the edge of the road down this deep uh, ravine. It's unclear as to how many were found, but both the Postal Service and the Santa Clara County Register of Voters have launched an investigation. If there are several hundred and, uh, and the election is that close, uh, it, cause, it could cause a problem. Um, the odds of that are, are not particularly great, but we don't know. The Register of Voters did not want to speculate on what may have happened, but did share this thought after looking at the picture. Well, it appears in the pictures that there are ballots mixed in with non-election material. So with seeing that, you would think this may have come from the postal stream somehow. Nice it's more than a black eye uh, for the registrar and the, and the county. It's a huge embarrassment. In San Jose, Stephanie Magallon, NBC Bay Area News. Oh, it's a real... Local news story, right? It's out in California. So this is probably the first that you've heard that story. It's certainly not national news. What do you think the national coverage would be if, let's say, that were Miami-Dade County in Ron DeSantis's Florida? In an area that flipped from blue to red. Do you think that the coverage would be just a little bit different? I suspect it probably would. Here's one to wrap up the program this morning. A seat in the New Hampshire House of Representatives flipped from Republican to Democrat by the narrowest of margins after a recount. The race for the Hillsborough County House District 16 seat in Manchester saw Democrat Maxine Mosley defeat her Republican opponent Larry Gang by one vote. Mosley won the seat with 1,799 votes to Gang's 1,798 before the recount. The Republican won by 23 votes. Adam Sexton, the political director for Manchester news outlet WMUR, gave updates on the outgoing recount on his Twitter feed, saying, quote, Shocker in Manchester's Ward 6, New Hampshire, House of Representatives race after she congratulated Gang. There were, there was still counting left, and it turns out the Democrat won by one vote, a flip for the Democrats, he wrote in the tweet. Nathaniel Raychik, a senior election analyst at Election Tracker 538, also commenting on the shocking turnaround, saying, wow, Democrats erased a 23-vote deficit in a recount to win this New Hampshire House seat by one vote. They need to do the same in three more seats to win a majority. Speaking to Newsweek, Mosley explained her first thoughts were when she heard the news saying, I was truly overwhelmed by the results of the recount. A swing of more than nine votes is rare in New Hampshire, so this result is historic. I am also very grateful for the voters who have shown their faith in me as a first-time candidate to represent them. So it's just another one of those very odd instances in which there was a recount, and it went from a 